Hello and welcome to the Library Cafe on WVKR. I'm Thomas Hill. I'm delighted to say my guest today is Patricia Fagan, Philip and Lynn Strauss curator at the Francis Lehman Loeb Arts Center here at Vassar College. Patricia has been a frequent guest on the show over the years to talk about exhibitions she has curated at the center. And she's here to talk about her last exhibition at the Loeb on the occasion of her retirement. That exhibition is entitled Women Picturing Women from Personal Spaces to Public Ventures on View through June 13th. Welcome, Patty. It's great to have you on the show. So this is actually your 10th appearance on the program since I started interviewing you and Mary Kay Lombino about Loeb Center shows. Your first was the American Mural Drawings exhibition that took place in the spring of 2007. So my first question is, knowing how much time you put into an exhibit, what are you going to do to fill all the free time that you're going to have <laughs> now that you're not working day and night and late nights also? I mean, you know, sometimes I know you weren't really getting enough sleep trying to keep up on deadlines. So, yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me again. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a pleasure to speak to you about the exhibition. Yeah, well, my mother's going to be very, very happy when I uh, <laughs> move back down to Georgia and can drive around with her and see the sights and help her with her flowers, that kind of thing. But I am going to be a little bit part-time at the Loeb until the end of the year, uh -huh. and so I'll have the opportunity to do some writing and also some consulting on shows that we have in the summer and in the fall. They're in the pike then already, yes. Yeah, yeah it will take them a while to find two or three people to replace you, <laughs> you know, which they probably don't have a budget for. But well, That's very nice of you, of you to say. This is an exhibition that seems to show off the strengths of the Loeb Center collection in quality as well as quantity, since you were able to gather so many splendid works from the collection around a rather specific idea. And it's almost a kind of blockbuster exhibit experience walking through this exhibit. So can you tell us what gave you the idea for the exhibition? And did you have in mind a sort of curatorial personal grand finale here? <laughs> because it is really spectacular exhibition. I mean, I was really excited going through well, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Well, I actually kept seeing this one drawing over and over again by a male artist. Uh, his name is Edwin Blashfield. Uh, he was an American Beaux-Arts muralist. We have this preparatory mural drawing by him of a... a uh, a model that he used for one of the figures in his mural called Westward that is at the Iowa State Capitol. Mm -hmm. But the drawing is of a contemporary woman who has a rather a Gibson girl's hairstyle, which was very indicative of the new woman, the new independent college educated woman of the turn of the century of the, you know, around 1900 and the drawing was 1905. Well, this was just such a very strong drawing of her and I kept coming across it in storage when I was looking for something else actually. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, here it was one more time. And, oh, there it is one more time. <laughs> and so I thought, well, there seems to be some kind of message here. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, yeah. And so I had thought about doing an exhibition on the new woman, but actually there has been so much written regarding her, uh -huh. um, you, you know, this, this idea that uh, when I was talking to Miriam Cohen, the history professor at Vassar, she was telling me that the experiences of women are a big research topic for historians. Uh -huh. And so I sort of took that and applied it to the art museum collection. And uh -huh. so I thought about uh, looking just at images of women, mm -hmm. but then I thought to myself, who better to know about the experiences of uh -huh. women than, than other women? Uh -huh. And so that's when I decided to focus in on women, picturing women. Uh-huh. And I saw, however, when I was going through our database of 22,000 works, that there were thousands of these images by men, but only about 300 by women. And so I thought that, you know, a 300 was a very, very good number to work from. Uh-huh. Yeah, a great uh, original universe then you had to work from that wasn't too overwhelming. Oftentimes, as with writing a paper, I tell students in writing classes that sometimes focus is everything. And you'll find as you start to do something, you're too ambitious. You want to write everything about everything. And then somewhere along the line, you'll realize you have to write everything about something. And then finally, it turns out to be something about something. So you've got that here. You've got something about something here. And it's perfect. I mean, it really opens up and shows you something that you may not have seen before in women's portraiture, doesn't it? So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This show also drew upon my knowledge uh, from all the different shows that I've done the past uh -huh. 21 years. Uh -huh. At Vassar, I talk a bit about Georgina, the Duchess of Devonshire, uh -huh. in, in this exhibition. And that's, I knew all about her from the Thomas Rowlandson exhibition I did and the show Woodstock prints and, you know, all the preparatory mural drawings from the 30s, mm -hmm. all those artists from the Woodstock art colony that I've been writing about. And so, you know, they also came into this exhibition. I've written about Blanchette Rockefeller. Mm -hmm. And so the Violet Oakley drawing is a portrait of her and her sister, Helen. And then the history of Vassar College and the art department and the art gallery all of that has been part of my talking to students and, you know, mm -hmm. doing lectures uh, throughout the years, too. Yeah, and so all of this came together, this mm -hmm. summing up of different subjects kind of came together in this one topic. You were part of the three lectures that we just had on Linda Nochlin, weren't you? So I'm wondering, were those recorded and can they be linked to? Oh, they can through the center site then. Okay, that's wonderful. You're talking about this exhibition in that lecture, aren't you? So people can tune into that and actually see a lecture about the, the pieces in the collection. One way to look at the collection and if they can't actually get here and see the uh, works of art in, in the museum. 
And then, well, media, you have all kinds of media in here. It's not just prints, is it? It's prints and paintings and sculptures. So. Watercolors mm -hmm. and drawings and yeah. uh, two samplers. Uh -huh. Ah, yes, those are wonderful. We'll talk about those. And also photography. So, yeah. uh, photography, yes. Yeah. Yeah, in a way, Linda Nochlin is a kind of ghost hovering over all of this, isn't she? I mean, for us at Vassar. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. And she was one of my professors at the uh -huh. Graduate Center. Oh, was she? Oh, that's amazing. I had no idea. That's the first I, I heard that. So everyone says having her for a class is really an experience. Very much. Yeah, I had her for, I believe, three courses. Yeah, yeah. She she was, she was just great. Even just to see her as a lecturer was a lesson in the existence of charisma, I have to say. You know, she just had a force about her. Incredibly intelligent. Always saying something original, unusual, whatever, you know, whatever she was talking about. And unexpected, so. So, you know, as I said, this spans media, but it also spans centuries. So it covers a lot of ground, yes? Right, yeah. It goes from the 17th century up to the 1960s before the women's liberation movement of the 1970s put this brilliant light upon historical and contemporary female artists. But it does go back. I mean, you've got um, yes. you've got 17th century prints, right? From what yeah. I remember. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Is the Loeb Center especially rich in works of art by women, relatively speaking? I mean, compared to other museums, say, it seems to be. Well, from the 1970s onward, yes. Yes. Uh huh. Um, but really, not so much in those decades before. We have received, you know, the samplers, and there mm -hmm. are 300 uh -huh. plus of those, and those are by, by girls. Mm -hmm. And also, we do have sketchbooks by female artists as well. And then the rest of the holdings in those more historical years is a bit spotty. Yeah, I wondered if it has to do with the fact that so many of our donors are our own students, our women, and they might be, you know, attracted to female artists. We have actually works by former students in the show, right? So, um, yes. yeah. Um, yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, I think there are four of those. Are there? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. The show, like I say, it's a wonderful idea, more than the sum of its parts, in a way. It tells us about the virtues and constraints placed upon women artists, it seems to anyway. And the show pans in on types of spaces depicted in these works. So can you talk about what might makes these in terms of content works by women artists? Yeah, sure. Well, what I did was to look at all of these like 300 works. And um, I tried to see what common themes there were just in looking at this huge multitude of works. Mm -hmm. And so there were themes that rose to the top. And the most common one was portraits. Mm -hmm. And they tended to be portraits of one's friends or relatives or self-portraits. Mm -hmm. And they tended to be painted in these more personal private spaces, like mm -hmm. a studio or mm -hmm. a garden. Then there were also several domestic scenes too. Mm -hmm. And those were primarily these personal and 
these more personal scenes of interiors. Mm -hmm. But then I also saw something that I thought was a little unusual, and it really spanned the century. And that was these very harmonious, peaceful landscapes that tended to be of the here and now, not so much, you know, this kind of Arcadian view but uh -huh. of the present with women as central characters. Uh -huh. And so I saw that from the late 18th century in England all the way up to Woodstock in mm -hmm. the 1950s. Huh. Yeah, so it's really, really very interesting theme. And that was also a part of this more private and personal world, you know? Uh -huh. but, but then there were female artists who actually stepped out with their cameras into mm -hmm. the actual world to make subjects uh -huh. that were of the actual world, uh -huh. like um, especially in the 20th century yeah. with documentary photography, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, photography changes things a little bit there, doesn't it? But it's interesting that these open landscapes would be one part of this, as well as these domestic interiors, because they, they, they're kind of opposite, you know, the outside, the indoors. But they all form settings for scenes with female characters then, yes. Mm -hmm. And then, generally speaking, do women portray women any differently than men do? Do they seem to? Yeah, that is a very, very good question. And uh -huh. When I went through that huge database, I did keep seeing these pictures of women by men and um, women who had this kind of very, uh, very exotic cast uh -huh. to them. And I really didn't see that with pictures by women. So that really stood out. But frankly, what I did was to laser focus on women picturing women. And I didn't do an in-depth study of men picturing women. Yeah, no. Yeah. So it, wasn't, it wasn't meant to be comparative, but I thought, yeah. I, I thought for sure you could distill something in these terms out from just looking at women depicting women. Obviously, you wouldn't expect the portraits, say, to be as objectified as you have with men and, and, and exoticized mainly, not as other in a way, not, not, not portrayed as objects, but as fellow human beings. I would expect that to be the case. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, right. So generally, how do you organize the show? Because it does have an organization, doesn't it? And it's not chronologically organized, but... Yeah, well, we do have three temporary exhibition galleries mm -hmm. that were available to me. So what I did was to put all of the portraits, since there are many, many, many portraits. I think there were 10, if I remember correctly, so I put all of those in the very first gallery. Uh -huh. And then the second gallery has the domestic scenes, and mm -hmm. those are across from these idyllic landscapes uh -huh. I was talking about. Yes, uh-huh. And then the very third gallery has the documentary photograph, mm -hmm. and those are across from these drawings and sculptures and paintings that really have to do with intellectual narratives that were more the province of uh, what men were uh -huh. doing and thinking and not so much 
a part of the domestic sphere. You know, uh-huh. so- and then there are classical pieces, pieces with classical motifs, certainly in the third bay, aren't there, which has to do with this. Right, yeah. We have a beautiful drawing by Elba Huffman, who married, um, she became Elba Huffman Bauslog. Yeah, that is a really beautiful drawing of plaster sculpture called Diana that she probably drew in one of Van Ingen's classes. Uh, uh Yeah, she came to Vassar for one year, uh, 1869-70 is what uh, the family and I have been able to research and find out. And the family offered us the drawing this past year. And oh. so we were very eager, you oh. know, to accept that. A beautiful thing. I mean, uh, one thing you don't get necessarily just talking about the art, you know, they're really beautiful. I mean, the whole show is beautiful, color-wise, formally, and the way you compose it, and essentially, as a curator. So mm-hmm. really stunning. You notice it right in the first bay, but it keeps going as you go through the show here. In a way, it's too bad that, well, I don't know if you had time to put 30 bays together. <laughs> but it, it's too bad it doesn't go on and on. But um, Thank uh, you. Yeah. I really tried to find the strongest work, uh, strongest by message, strongest by composition. Yeah. Well, some of them are f- familiar and they're really, they're well-known pieces like the, the Georgia O'Keeffe portrait that we have in uh, the girl in the checkered dress. But then in the same bay, you've got that very large piece that forms the centerpiece for the show as you're walking in of the women sunbathing. And and that's sort of an unknown painting to me. I mean, the artist, I don't know very well. Yeah, the last time that that was exhibited, uh, uh-huh. if I'm remembering correctly, it was 1968. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. And Re- so- really striking, it should be seen. Yes, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, my understanding is that there was some damage done to oh, it. Uh-huh. So when we received it as a gift from the estate of Sylvia Slee, just very few years ago, we were able to get it conserved. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so now it is available, you know, for the world to see. So. Uh-huh. so do works that are ordinarily in storage that make their way up for a special exhibition like this, are there times when you say, or, or when uh, the uh, director says, or you say collectively, we have to keep this up here and find a place for it in the permanent collection? You know, we can't put it back in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes you see works like this, and, and I say to myself, how could these not be out all the time? You know, this is one of those works where. where um, yeah, yes. Um, Well, I am sure that Mary Kay would love to have that in her 20th century Uh galleries. However, there Uh are so many brilliant, striking works in the 20th century galleries. Vassar has such a fabulous... Yeah, that's true. It would be competing with the Bacon and the Rothko and the Pollock. (laughs) um, But even so, partly because it isn't a piece that is well-known or an artist necessarily is well-known right. and it would hold its own honestly Very in those galleries so yeah definitely so. so let's take a kind of a virtual walk through the collection if we can we can't do it in reality because of covid we need to keep the numbers down but i can remember what was there and i'm sure you remember very well so let's talk then about a few representative works you have an oil portrait by another of our own students elizabeth rebecca coffin from the class of 1870 Yes, and that is in the one of the early parts of the exhibition. Um, 
Um, yeah, she. Uh, it, th this is a portrait of of a head. Uh, that that's the title of it, and it, it's a descriptive title since we don't know who the sitter was. Mm -hmm. And this painting was given to us. It was actually given to the art department, to uh -huh. the studio uh, section of the art department. But we don't know exactly when the work was given to Vassar. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, very indicative of a good many female artists, particularly those before the 20th century, since so much of their lives have not been documented. But we do know that Elizabeth Rebecca Coppin was president of her class at Vassar uh -huh. in 1870. She was the niece of Mariah Mitchell. Uh -huh. ah, the great yeah. astronomer, okay, yes. who was teaching uh -huh. on the faculty. Uh -huh. Yes, and she also was a student of Van Ingen, mm -hmm. uh, like Rebecca Coffin. So she and Rebecca Coffin would have been at Vassar the very same year. Mm -hmm. But she also, Coffin went to the Academy of Fine Arts in The Hague after uh -huh. she graduated from Vassar in art. And she competed with the boys. That's how, you know, she, she put it. <laughs> yeah, at the Academy uh -huh. of Fine Arts. And she won awards. Uh -huh. She competed against them, and uh, also she studied their subjects, too, which was kind of unusual for the time. But she would also study at the Brooklyn Guild mm -hmm. and at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts with Thomas Aiken. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, but she mainly exhibited in the 1880s and the 1890s. Mm -hmm. Was this portrait done then after she went away and came back? Or is this an early portrait done under Van Ingen? No, this is more in the style of the early 1890s. Was it? Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful thing, I have to say. Very striking. It catches your eye immediately when you come into the gallery there. Yeah, very much so. And then also right next to it is this wonderful painting called The Checkered Dress, done in 1907. And the model here, another artist, modeling the dress becomes George O'Keefe. Yes, it is George O'Keefe, a young George O'Keefe, you know, looking like the model, actually a runway model here almost, and a beautiful dress. So, and it's a wonderful painting, yes. Very, very much so. Yeah, this this is a, a watercolor by uh, a, a New York artist uh, working around the turn of the century, uh, 1900, but, and, and up to, you know, for decades afterwards. But she went to the New York School of Art and was a student of William Merritt Chase and mm -hmm. Robert Henry. But she actually, when she wrote a letter to her mother that included some of her thoughts regarding this watercolor, she confessed to her mother that she thought that it was fake. Oh, that's interesting. Very yeah, interesting. yeah. Uh -huh. And she thought that, and she went on to explain that she thought that it was fake because it was composed from three different sources. Yeah, so she, Belcher was saying that the face was indeed the face of her good friend and roommate, Georgia O'Keefe, uh -huh. who happened to be an art student at the time at the Art Students League. Uh -huh. But the dress and the pose actually 
were from Belcher's memory of a Mrs. Hagen. But then, too, and, and, uh, yeah. and here's more, and the, the kind of Gibson girl hair uh-huh. style and, and that background, which seems so nondescript with maybe just a little bit of the domestic. That was all from her imagination. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. So it wasn't George's hair then. Uh, oh. <laughs> no. That is interesting. Because, you know, it doesn't look quite like the same George O'Keefe we know from Stieglitz. So Stieglitz, no. Right. So, so can you see any of the real George O'Keefe in this portrait then? I mean, is there, is there any attempt to bring out that personality even in the face? Um, well, she is looking, let me see if I, if I remember correctly, I think she's looking to our left, uh-huh. the, the figure, I mean, the dress is very, very casual mm-hmm. and pose is very, very casual. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, what Belcher seems to have done is to put together this picture of this new woman that I had spoken Uh of really Uh early on, where you have this beautiful checked billowing dress, a very, very casual dress. Mm -hmm. There is no corset, very casual flowing dress, that uh, Gibson girl hairstyle again. Yeah, so it all does lend itself to this new woman interpretation. Uh Yeah, yeah. And O'Keefe, I'm sure, was was a new woman in her own way, wasn't she? So, yeah. We have another painting in the show, the same artist, okay. Yeah, same artist. In January, we purchased this other watercolor by Hilda Belcher um, of Virginia Myers, who was a child prodigy dancer. Oh, uh Uh, So we do have this other Hilda Belcher watercolor that Uh is placed very close Close to it. Yes. Then we've got two works depicting women by the muralist Violet Oakley, who did the great triptych in the Alumni House. So I wonder if you could talk about the drawing of the Hooker daughters and also talk about Oakley herself. Certainly. She was a Pennsylvania artist and she became just a wonderful muralist. Mm. And she she did uh, several murals in Pennsylvania, much to her credit. The drawing by Oakley that we have in the exhibition is of Blanchette, Mm -hmm. uh, Hooker Rockefeller, and her sister, Helen. Uh And they are presented as torchbearers and This is a preparatory drawing for a painting that's at Alumni House on the Mm -hmm. campus of Vassar called The Donors. Uh Their mother, Blanche Berry Hooker, who was class of 94, and her sister, Queen Berry Coonley, who was Mm -hmm. Vassar class Mm -hmm. of 96, were the donors for the building of the The Alumni alumni House. house. Uh Yeah. Yeah, and then Oakley did the interior for the whole place, didn't she? Yes, he did this wonderful Tuscan interior, and folks can still go, or I guess they, they can still go. I mean, you know, in, in terms of the pandemic, I don't know COVID, if yeah. to go, but there is just this wonderful, what's called the living room. Uh-huh at Alumni House that that was decorated by her. 
and there is a, just a beautiful triptych that is huh. there that has a wonderful painting that just takes over the room. It it's does, yeah. So yeah. spirited. Uh -huh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a wonderful thing. I think we have an Oakley show coming up, don't we? Sometime in the not too distant future. So that, that'll be wonderful. People may know her if they're from Pennsylvania and they visited the state capitol because she did the murals for the capitol building. Mm -hmm. Very unusual for a woman to be doing murals like that because it was generally felt to be that you had to be a big, strong guy to paint murals, you know? <laughs> yeah, very much so. And then also she had her own colonies that she would build up around her, didn't she? Yeah, she had several women friends. Uh -huh. Yes, and they wow. did live together. And uh -huh. I believe uh, most of them were artists. So looking at printed works, which is your specialty, you have three wonderful prints by Akeda Kolvitz. One, a self-portrait. Yes, we have the self-portrait by her in the show, and that's a very early work by her. She did so many uh, self-portraits in many different mediums, and this is a very early work. It's etching and aquatint, which mm -hmm. is you know, this kind of tonal technique. And she would have done that in her Berlin home. Uh -huh. Just a few years after she had married her physician husband and moved to Berlin. And yeah, and she would have just had, I believe, her first son by that point. Hmm. But yeah, this work does show that she seems to still be learning printmaking, particularly the aquatint process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it, it's really just, just a wonderful, wonderful print. Yeah, it is, yeah. This is precisely your field, isn't it? I mean, not just prints, but German expressionist prints. So, uh, yeah. Although, I don't know if you could classify her quite as an expressionist. Maybe not. Maybe she's a little before that. Yeah, she has been classed in different, you know, uh -huh. scholars' works yeah. as an expressionist. Oh, is she? Okay. Also, you have a very colorful portrait of a young girl by another famous artist, Bertie Morisot. Yes, that's a wonderful little, um, well, I mean, it's not so small, pastel portrait uh -huh. of her niece, Paul Gobillard. And she also was an artist who was learning to be an artist from her aunt, Bertie uh -huh. uh -huh. Wonderful thing. And then also there's a drawing by Mary Cassatt. Well, it's a dry point that looks oh, very, is it? well, oh, okay. I mean, yeah. it looks very much, much like, like a drawing. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Um, but this is of uh, Denise and her child, uh -huh. um, Denise being a, a model, you know, one of the models that, that was that Mary Cassatt used. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a quite lovely dry point. That's in the gymnastic scenes part of the show. Yeah, and then also with the portraits, you've got this striking object, head of a Negro woman by Elizabeth Catlett. Yes, right. That is in the portraits part of the show. Uh -huh. And that's from 1945 when Catlin had received a Rosenwald Fund Fellowship to do a series of prints on the Negro woman that was the title that Catlett had put in her application, you know, materials. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's a really very strong sculptural print made in 
lithography and I think it was 1944, just, just the year before she had been studying at the Art Students League lithography with, with Harry Sternberg, who was also an artist who, whose perspectives were very much informed by social ideas and social criticism, mm. ju um, just like, and social justice, uh -huh. just like Catlett was. Uh -huh. Yeah, a wonderful thing. I mean, it is so powerful, you know, it kind of, you, it have, you feel like you have to back off a little bit, you know. You know so. And then we have two modern works, one a drawing by Titiana Maselli and also a really colorful and striking double oil portrait by Sylvia Slee. Yeah, the Maselli, she was an artist born in Rome and uh, did her training there in the 1950s, still quite young, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm -hmm. She came over to New York and showed some with Derlicker Brothers and Kirk Askew Jr. was the New York director of that. She also showed at Vassar too. Mm -hmm. And her work is really virtually unknown in the U.S. Oh. It's extremely, extremely rare. Uh -huh. um, but when I saw this in going through the collection, I was just totally struck, you know, by its strength and that kind of very strong black and white graphic contrast. And it's a really, really um, beautiful drawing. Yeah, it is. And that is very close in terms of place within the gallery with the uh, Sylvia Slee. Uh-huh. Double portrait. Double portrait oil, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. That is just wonderful. It's a very large work seven feet wide I oh. believe yeah if, if I'm remembering correct I believe that's right because that wall is eight feet okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. but those are two of Slee's dancer friends who, uh -huh. who were posing in Slee's and her husband Lawrence Alloway's backyard garden uh-huh yeah it's wonderful piece uh, really wonderful um, really wonderful yeah, yeah. And then you've got uh, Florine Stettheimer also, typical of her work in a way, but really strike surrealistic piece, yes? Yes, that's called uh, Natatorium Undine from 1937. Uh -huh. it's, it's a painting that her sister, Eddie Stettheimer, mm -hmm. gave to Vassar a few years after her sister's passing. And the painting itself is quite large too. Mm -hmm. And it shows this buoyant, fantastic pool party mm -hmm. that seems to take place in a place that straddles the outside and also the inside. Yeah. And, and what Stettheimer does is to just kind of punctuate the painting with these small portraits that include herself and her sister and some of mm. their friends, also some dancers. Yeah, and the, uh, the pool itself is full of these cars well they're they're kind of creature cars that mm -hmm. that are carrying different people mm -hmm. and you know it it really is a kind of fantastic um cheerful though mm -hmm. <laughs> scene yeah colorful too um, colorful. Yeah. yeah so so that really is one of the features of the idyllic harmonious landscape uh -huh. yeah uh -huh. you know, we're um, of the here and now we're yeah. women a really central character. Yeah, yeah. A dream landscape in this case, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. And she was such a leading light of the uh, avant-garde uh -huh. in New York City during the 20s. Yeah. But, uh, well, she was a bit of a contradiction, too. She was extremely, appears to have been very, very shy uh -huh. and very, very sensitive and really did not want to put her work out there. Uh -huh. her, her work was exhibited very rarely, you know, oh. during the lifetime. Yeah, that's interesting. I tend to get her mixed up, strange to say, with Carl uh, Van Vechten. I don't know if their styles are similar or um, I'm trying to remember. We used to have their works, both of them, in the basement of the Beinecke on the walls. They were storing them down there for some reason. You know, if I didn't look at the artist's name under it, I would not know if I was looking at Van Vechten or Stedheimer. They were really close friends. They thought alike, for sure. And then you have a wonderful work by Alice Neal, whose name I just came across several times reading about George O'Keefe in Laurie Lyle's biography. She was a friend of O'Keefe, evidently, and also possibly at a St. Vincent Millay. I think she was in New York at that time and sort of part of that Greenwich Village circle. Right. She also became extremely well known for her portraits. Mm -hmm. But what we have in the exhibition is a watercolor by her from, I believe it's 1927, mm -hmm. and it's seen in New York of her holding her child who happens to be very, very sick and who, mm -hmm. who would pass away uh, uh -huh. a little bit later. And I, Santayana is her name. Uh -huh. um, yeah, the self-portrait of Neil looks very much like a modern Madonna. You know, it, it has that very beneficent, you know, yeah. look. It does. Uh, a homeless Madonna, too. She's sitting on a park bench, it seems. Yeah, well, yeah, she was in dire poverty uh -huh. at this point. Uh -huh. Yeah, wonderful thing. Very moving. Also, we should mention the samplers, which are always striking because they're done not just by women, but by little women often, aren't they? <laughs> so, and you've got a couple in the show. Um, Yes, we have over 300 of them in the collection given to us by Vassar grads and also transfers too from the library from mm -hmm. collections. Yeah, we have two. One is by an English girl named Eliza Phipps uh -huh. from Essex County. And then the other is by an unknown American artist, and mm -hmm. we just don't know who she was. But both of these are from the early 19th century. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was important to have them in the collection. Mm -hmm. First of all, there are more than 300 of them. So, mm -hmm. you know, they beg to be represented. Yeah, uh -huh. And two, these samplers were such a very, very important part of the education of young women. Yeah, wonderful thing, that kind of embroidery, right? It's, uh, yeah. It seems to be it's such a quiet pastime. Yeah. yeah, they were domestic diplomas uh -huh. uh -huh. in a certain sense, since they uh, showed off the girls' knowledge of letters, numbers. Uh, ethics also, right? Yes. Religion, yes. yeah. Exactly. Uh -huh. yeah. So, yeah, really quite nice. So I'm glad you have them in there. And then also you have a section of photographs, documentary photographs, but other photographs also. Right, yes. Those begin with Jesse Tarbox Beals, and they include 
Edith Tudor Hart and Margaret Bork-White, Raleigh McKenna, Diane Arbus. Uh-huh. All of them striking in their own way. And then also there's sculpture in the show, which always gives the show a lot of weight, in a, literally, but, but in, in other ways too. Right. Yes, we have a really beautiful and striking walnut sculpture of a girl with two pet chickens. And mm-hmm. that stands about six feet tall. And that's in the middle of the second gallery uh, by Conchetta Scaravaglione. And she was a New York artist who went to the Art Students League. Uh Her parents were from Italy. And she did this sculpture in Rome during a Rome fellowship. Yes, so much good stuff has come out of the Art Students League, you know, in terms of culture, pure culture. Yeah. And then in the third gallery, we have the work Pax or or Peace. That's by Malvina Hoffman. And she was also a New York artist who worked about the very same time as Scaravaglione. Hmm. Yeah. So this is a post-World War I sculpture that does celebrate the end of World War I and, and peace. Yeah, wonderful. Does it have a classical cast to it, if I am I remembering yeah. correctly? Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. Yes, very, very, very much so, which is why I pointed it from its pedestal right uh-huh. there middle of the third gallery over to the Diana. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, you did. Okay. That's true. I made the connection and you walk into it and you feel you're in this classical world there. It's funny. So you have to think of that as a curator. Who who, who, who am I going to have my head look at? You know, uh, where does she want to look? That's right. Yeah. (laughs) All about being a curator. Yeah, I guess so. So do the works ever sort of talk to you when you start to hang them and say, no, I don't want to be next to this person uh, or this art? You know, they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did have this conversation where they had a conversation with with me, especially in in the second gallery. I kept wanting to put the Spence right next to the Joan Brown. Uh Then, but the Miriam Shapiro, you know, kept kind of nudging me and saying, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Um, It's like a social situation, you know, it must must be like being a host at a party, you know. That's right. Uh, Who do I bring together and who do I keep apart? So that's (laughs) that's so funny. So happily, there's an excellent catalog about to be published on the show in June. Right. That should be, well, now let me see. I did take another look at my calendar. June is when the advanced copies will come out. Uh-huh. It's July when uh-huh. when the bulk shipment from China uh-huh. <laughs> will come. Uh, okay. Yes. So the show will be closed by then, right? Because it closes yes, in yes. June. Yeah. <laughs> but people still have time to come see it. And um, uh, I don't know, don't know if you know the hours off the top of your head because they're so complicated now, but people can come in certain days of the week from the community and then people in the Vassar community can visit the other days. Yes. Right. They, uh, the public can come on weekends uh-huh. and go through the Raymond Avenue entrance. Uh-huh. You know, uh, and uh, that's on Saturday from 10 to 5 and Sunday from 1 to 5. Uh-huh. And then, let's see, students can come Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 10 to 5. But except for Thursday, I believe we're open till 
either eight or nine on mm -hmm. Thursday. Okay, so if you're coming Thursday, you should call and make sure. Yeah, so, okay. I want to thank you so much, Tom, for, for asking me, you know, to do all of these interviews throughout the years. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Well, thanks. For me also, really enlightening. Okay. Yeah, it's been wonderful for me. And then the interesting thing about this is that, you know, I read your catalogs oftentimes, the, the exhibition catalogs, mm -hmm. and I read exhibition catalogs all the time. It's mostly what I do by exhibition catalogs from exhibitions all over the world. But so much goes into a show that doesn't get into the catalog, you know, and when you just talk to the curator about the show, you uncover all kinds of things that you don't read in the catalog that uh, little bits of it, context, basically, uh, about artists and about works of art and about, the, you know, the, the show itself. So it's been wonderful for me and, I, and wonderful, I think, for our listeners, too, to be able to, to listen to these things. And then people can go back, although you're going to be in Flowery Branch, Georgia, uh, as a retired <laughs> retire curator with your mother in her garden soon people can go back to our archive at the library cafe and listen to all your interviews going back to going back to the 1930s and 40s mural show i think in 2007 is when we started this yeah yeah so um so okay so great so, well thanks patty thanks thanks for coming on thanks for talking about the show the exhibition is called women picturing women from personal spaces to public ventures and it's on view through June 13th. Certainly worth coming in to see it. Like I say, it's, it, for us, it's a blockbuster. So people should see it. And what wonderful theme and, and beautiful work. So anyway, uh, th thanks much, Patty, for, for coming on again. So, Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you, Tom.